0: Hey everyone and welcome back to the Coach Mark Carroll podcast. It's Sheridan here, Head of Nutrition and Mark isn't joining me today because he wanted me to take the lead on this week's episode given that this is definitely my area of specialization and it is training during pregnancy, do's and don'ts. So This is a topic that is very close to my heart because I am a mum of two. My eldest Ellie is two and a half years old and my youngest is Evie, eight months old. And I, you know, came from a background where I was, I would consider myself a bit more of an advanced lifter. I was quite strong prior to my pregnancies and I was, you know, lifting four to five days a week fittest I've ever been, leanest I've ever been, and then I got pregnant, which was good because that was what we were planning. But all of a sudden, you know, I had been coaching women for years uh, at this point, and I found myself asking, what the hell do I do next? Where do I go from here? What can I and what can't I do? And all of a sudden, I felt like my world was a little bit tipped upside down because I was so mindful of the fact that I was growing this little human. But I also wanted to make sure that I was able to, one, be as strong and as fit as I possibly could throughout my pregnancy and for my birth. But I didn't want to lose a piece of myself that I had identified with so much. And training was and has always been a really positive mental outlet for me and something that I enjoy, you know, getting better at. I am always striving to get better. So when I felt pregnant, I just felt a bit lost. And I went to the usual people that I would go to for advice on training. And I drew from my own knowledge, but to be honest, prenatal training is such a specialty and the people that I would usually ask for help just didn't really know how to help me because it wasn't their specialty and that's no fault of their own because I didn't have the answers either. So the roundabout way of saying that the reason that I have, you know, I guess dived so deep into this topic is because I once was a woman who was standing there wondering what the hell can I and can't I do and feeling really overwhelmed. And I just found that the information out there, like most things, it's it's really interesting. You know, with nutrition, I, I tell people, don't go on Google. Just don't Google things because Google will give you 900,000 different responses and you'll be 900,000 ways of confused. And just go to someone that you know has the answer, who you can resonate with, who you trust and take their advice. So I tried to do that when I was looking for advice on or or even evidence-based information on how I could train, one, safely, but two, efficiently, and three, to the same intensity that I was prior to pregnancy. And I went to Google (laughs) and it wasn't a good time. I, every time I Googled something, I left more confused and wondering what, what I can and can't do. And I feel that so many women get to this point in their, you know, when they find out that they're pregnant and it leads them in a path of one or two, one of two directions. First, they are maybe a little bit overconfident and they hear the advice, do what you've always done, which is awful advice but it's the advice that's mostly given by people who perhaps don't quite understand how they can best support you in this new phase of your life. So they do what they've always done. And it puts them at higher risk of things like abdominal separation, uh, pelvic organ prolapse and pelvic floor dysfunction, which they often have to work on very hard in subsequent years when the symptoms really start showing. And then the other side of the coin is that they don't do anything and all of a sudden they stop resistance training. They are just walking, doing Pilates, which is so fine if that is what sets your soul on fire. And that's the way that you want to show up for your body in this season of life. That's, that's a okay with me, but it's not completely necessary. It's not something that you have to do. You can continue resistance training safely in your pregnancy And not just for aesthetic reasons or for your own mental and mindset, but because it's proven to be beneficial during pregnancy and birthing requires strength. It requires endurance and also your postnatal period requires that you have some level of strength Um, and resistance training is phenomenal for that. We know that that's that's how we build muscle. Right. So what I would like to achieve in this episode is to give you a brief introduction into the do's and don'ts of prenatal training. And I'm not going to get down into the nitty gritty because we would otherwise be here for five hours (laughs) um, and nobody has that much time to listen to a podcast. So I hope to just give you the, the low hanging fruit. And, you know, Mark and I are always talking about the low hanging fruit in your nutrition and your, your training and the low hanging fruit in nutrition really is if you hit your overall calories, you're doing pretty well. Your low hanging fruit in your training is if you're applying progressive overload and you are recovering well with the stimulus that you're placing on your body, then you're going to be doing pretty good. Nail the low hanging fruit before you start bringing anything else into the equation. And one thing I commonly see in, you know, the questions that come through my my DMs and my weekly Q&As on my Instagram is what can I and can't I do or what exercise, is this exercise safe? Is this exercise not safe? And it's kind of like asking if the ketogenic diet or the, let's call it the, or intermittent fasting is the best way to lose weight and to that the answer would be that the ketogenic diet and intermittent fasting is apply is a method that applies the principle of fat loss and if you know mark's methods you know that you know and not just mark's methods but you know the law of thermodynamics that in order to lose fat you need to create a calorie deficit in order to maintain, you need to consume your maintenance calories. And in, in order to gain weight, you need to eat in a surplus. That is the principle. The ketogenic diet and intermittent fasting are tools or methods you can use to apply the principle. And how is that relevant to the conversation that you and I are having right now? If you ask questions that align with methods, then you'll fail to understand the principles of what safe and effective prenatal training is. So instead of saying, is this exercise safe? Can I do this exercise? When should I not do this? I want you to understand what the principles of safe and effective prenatal training are so that you can apply some critical thinking to ask yourself, well, is this exercise going to be beneficial for me? Am I able to do it? Is it safe? Is it not? Now, there are a few exceptions to the rules and the the rule, I should say. So there are some things that I would say don't do or proceed with caution. And those are things that um, are basically, you know, I'm going to talk just resistance training. So I'm not talking contact sports or anything else like that. That That's not my specialty. And if that's something that you do, then you need to see the relevant healthcare professional or go to a physio that's able to help you to determine if that's appropriate for you. But anything that really puts you at risk of, you know, um, impact reaching your, your tummy, your belly, your baby, um, making sure that you aren't training through pain, making sure that you're not training through, you know, if you notice any bleeding or you have any sort of feelings that feel like contractions, those are big no-nos, things that you really need to get looked at. And also if you have a high risk pregnancy. So if your doctor says that you're low risk, then you can pretty much carry on doing what you were doing before. If your doctor says you're high risk, then you need to get very specific on what your limitations are. So something like placenta previa, for example, will be a contraindication to exercise. And if you choose to ignore that, then you do increase the risk of miscarriage. And we all know that that's the thing that we're really trying to avoid, right? We we worry about that. And if your doctor says you're high risk, then you need to get very clear on what your limitations are are but outside of that what are or what is the principle of safe and effective prenatal training the first is nailing your breathing technique so the advice that people give to do what you've always done i mentioned before is awful advice and the reason that it's awful advice is because if you're a woman who squats 130 kilos, and you're applying a Valsalva breath to lift that weight, or even if you're applying a Valsalva breath to lift 60 kilos, whatever it is, then that's something that needs to change immediately. So your breathing mechanics are really important in pregnancy, because we need to think that your pelvic floor is a muscle. And when a muscle is under a lot of stress and you're applying more pressure and stress to that system then that is kind of a recipe for disaster right so as your baby grows you your pelvic floor is under more pressure kind of think of it like a trampoline right when nobody's on the trampoline it's nice and it's it's got a lot of elasticity um it's not sinking you add another person to that it sinks a little bit more, you add another person to that, it sinks a little bit more and so on and so forth. So as your baby starts growing, it starts placing stress on that metaphorical trampoline and that trampoline being your pelvic floor. So if we are applying a Valsalva breath in our training or doing any breath holding whatsoever, we are placing a lot of downward pressure on our pelvic floor. and That means that you are just stressing an already stressed system. So Mark and I cover the correct breathing mechanics in our prenatal programs. And this is the epitome of what these programs are. And this is your low hanging fruit. If you can get nothing right other than one thing in your prenatal space or your prenatal training, it's mastering your breathing mechanics. So, no breath holding is the really big one. The second principle is monitoring for red flags, and red flags are, you know, what I mentioned before about contraction-like um, sensations, bleeding, etc. Those are big. Okay, this I need to go get this looked at. But outside of that, we still have some red flags that we need to look for, and that is heaviness in your pelvis during or after training it's coning or doming of the abdomen and if you don't know what that is i think a really visual representation would be a good um starting point for you so google in this case jump on google google what coding and doning of the abdomen is and some people really freak out when they see this and think, oh my gosh, I have abdominal separation and what's going to happen to me in my postnatal period. But I just want to, I guess, uh, help you to understand that abdominal separation is actually unavoidable in pregnancy. In fact, 100% of women will have some degree of abdominal separation by their third trimester and that's just the natural progression of pregnancy you know you have a baby growing in your uterus your organs are moving around your stomach is stretching beyond its capacity so some things need to move and that includes your six-pack abs they will separate and coning and doming is really just an indication that yes there is abdominal separation there but more so you're not applying the correct breathing mechanics and you're placing too much pressure on that connective tissue called the linear alba, which can actually increase the severity of abdominal separation. So, if you notice coning or doming in any exercise, you know, people ask about planks or well, is, is a plank um, appropriate? Well, for some women, it might be. Is a lap pull down or an overhead press appropriate in pregnancy? It depends. It depends on the woman. Is she able to manage her intra-abdominal pressure? Is she applying the correct breathing mechanics during her training? And if she's not, and she notices coning or doming, all that really is saying is, it, it's, it's feedback. It's saying, hey, not managing this pressure very well. You either need to change something or you need to regress something. And the third principle is making sure that you are maintaining correct posture in your training. So posture plays an a very big role in making sure that you're maintaining your pelvic floor, maintaining or decreasing the risk of severe abdominal separation and decreasing the risk of pelvic organ prolapse. So posture means having your ribs stacked over your pelvis. And as you progress throughout your pregnancy, that is going to become a little bit more challenging given that your centre of gravity is changing. But one thing that I really encourage pregnant women to do is to film themselves during training because they will see whether or not they are able to maintain their posture. And that's obviously very important to make sure that you're getting that visual feedback and making adjustments if you need to. So these are the main three components that I want you to reflect on and really focused on in your pregnancies. And you might have more questions. I know I had more questions and I just kind of wanted somebody to give me a plan that I could follow to make sure that I was doing the correct thing. And I was still able to maintain my strength, um, maintain as much muscle mass as possible while keeping both my, my baby and myself safe. And this is something that Mark and I really dive deep into in our pr- our pregnancy program. So the pregnancy programs provides you with a training program, which is centered around resistance training. And a lot of people ask, like, oh, is it just body weight exercises? And no, it, it can be. That's what you want it to be. But we created these programs to support women who come from a resistance training background, who, who want to continue resistance training. And we provided a program to teach you how to do it safely. But if you aren't in that program or you feel like you're able to carry on with your training, um, with the guidance of your healthcare professionals, then I just want you to keep coming back to these three principles. And that is, um, so your breathing mechanics, making sure that you're monitoring for any red flags and making sure that you are maintaining your posture throughout your pregnancy. And I want to finish this episode with one more thing and it's the most common question that I get and it's the the thing that people find really difficult to let go of and it's can I do a barbell hip thrust in pregnancy? And look, there is going to be people who disagree with what I am about to say and that's A-OK I stand firm in my response to this and I will always sorry that's that's the that's the wrong way to put it because yeah I won't always have this this viewpoint if I am able to see sufficient evidence that proves otherwise but is there a research paper that says hey can I barbell hip thrust in pregnancy safely no there's not so for me personally in the way that i coach women is i remove the barbell hip thrust from their training and i do that for a few reasons one as your pregnancy progresses especially we'll make mostly actually no in the third trimester your baby's head is going to start descending into the pelvis and if you're loading a barbell uh, hip thrust correctly the position that your that the bar will sit over will potentially potentially be in the same area that your baby's head is descending into the pelvis. And yes, we have ligaments and fascia and everything that's protecting this area. But for me, it's a risk versus reward kind of situation. What is the potential reward of this exercise compared to the potential risk of this exercise? And with a barbell hip thrust, it's like, well, we don't really know what the potential risk is, do we? It it could be absolutely fine, but maybe it's not and we don't have any, you know, quality data to show us that. And if I'm able to change an exercise to do the same thing in a in a way that's going to decrease the potential risk of an exercise, I'm going to do that. And when we think of a barbell hip thrust, it's training your glutes in the shortened position. And we can do that in a variety of other ways. We can do it through a dumbbell hip thrust where the the pressure isn't placed um, on, you know, the area where your baby's head would be descending into your pelvis. And then we can use some progressive, you know, some training frequencies or training techniques, I should say, to make that exercise harder, like pause reps, one and a quarter reps. We can do, you know, drop sets, things like that to still challenge the glutes in that position. Or we can do single leg stuff. We can do single leg hip thrusts. We can do a 45 degree back extension or a horizontal back extension. If you're able to manage the pressure within your abdomen. Well, we can do a cable kickback. There is so many things that we can be doing to train the glutes in the shortened position that I just don't feel like the potential risk of doing a barbell hip thrust warrants its prescription in a training program. And again, that is just information for you to take away and make your own informed decision and people will disagree with that. But with what I know and what's in the research currently, that is still my stance on barbell hip trusts. But anyway, guys, I hope that you've enjoyed this episode and her and me rambling for 20 minutes. This is a topic that is so dear to my heart, something that I'm so passionate about, and I could talk forever on it, but I won't. I hope that you know these really quick three tips can help you sort of navigate more so your Uh, training throughout your pregnancy, know that your body is strong and capable. And I hope that you feel empowered that provided you have a low risk pregnancy, there is no reason why you cannot continue resistance training and doing it safely. So thank you for listening guys, and we'll catch you next week.